They don't have to. Anyways, so don't waste your work. So you guys have been in a series for the last two weeks. Uh, don't waste your work. I haven't. I mean, I've listened to it the series, but I was gone. Uh, and so I'm going to pick up the series and carry it for the next week or two. And I want to thank Hagen and Michael. Um, so for those who don't know, Hagen uh, is my son. I know that's hard to believe for those who know him that he's my son. But I want to I brag on him for a little bit here because he wouldn't do it. Um, so Friday, we're on vacation. <clears throat> and Kim told me to turn my phone off, so I didn't. And, uh, <laughs> and so I see this text come through. And it's the pastors. And they're like, Forrest, Pastor Forrest, who was supposed to be up here that Sunday, is saying, hey, I, I am deathly sick. I'm not going to be able to make it up to Northwood. What are we going to do? So there are some plans going on, you know, and <clears throat> let's do this, let's do that, and let's do this. And they're just like, mm. I'm sitting there on vacation going, mm, nah, I don't, don't think. Let's, mm. So I'm like, I wonder if I called Hagen, what he might do. Hagen's preached up here before. He's, he's uh, taught down in Fremont in the, in the Fuse ministry down there and that kind of stuff. He loves Genesis 1 and 2. And so I call him up. And I'm like, hey, Hagen, uh, you can say no, no pressure, but God's watching. And um, <laughs> if, uh, could, could you, uh, well, I didn't want to guilt him or pressure him at all. So, so I, I said, hey, could you do me a favor? Could you preach on Sunday? The problem is that was Saturday at noon. So Hagen's like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can do that. So he did. So I thank the Lord for that. Um, he loves talking about God anyways, you know, so I figured get up in front of everybody. Um, so I listened to his message. I listened to the pastor uh, Mike's message. I appreciate him coming up last week. Um, if you missed those, you can find those on our Apple podcast and uh, Spotify and our Facebook page. Um, catch up. But let me just do a real quick review. Um, I don't know why I say quick review. Nothing with me is quick. Um, but let me, let me just do kind of a review here of what those guys were saying. I'm going to put it probably more in my words anyways, because, well, it's me. Um, but there's kind of an overriding truth in the Bible when it comes to our work, what we do for a living, okay? And so write it out this way. This isn't new to me. People have used this uh, in a bunch of different ways. But we aren't to worship our work. And for a lot of us, if we, if we would stop and think about it, we, would be, we think a lot about work. You know, we think a lot about what's going on at work and what we have to get done at work and why you need to go to work and all that kind of stuff. We're not to worship our work. We're to worship God in our work. So as we work, we worship God. And that's why we're going through this series and, and talking about what we've been talking about. So Hagen talked about coming out of Genesis 1, because right at creation, God gives this, it's a holy thing. It's, it's God-honoring to work. He gave it to Adam um, to, to do work, to do something. And so our work really is to obey God where he's put us. Now, this word put is kind of interesting because the Hebrew word throughout the rest of the Old Testament is only used in relation to something or someone, or in, in the case of Israel, a nation, being put in the land dedicated to God or something being used in the temple, Israel's temple, in dedication or in worship of God. And so here God puts, the first time it's used, puts Adam 
in the garden. Now, the garden is part of the world, right? We understand that the garden wasn't the world. There's a portion called the garden within the world. That's where, that's where the, the food source was going to come from <clears throat> for Adam. And so he was supposed to take care of that. So his, his garden was, in that sense, it's just the garden, but he's really talking about his life. And it included his work. His work was to cultivate and to keep. Those two words, other words, could be serve or protect, kind of like the police officers, right? And so he's to serve and protect what God gave him. So God gives him, God provides, but then we do something with what God provides. It's not us providing, it's God providing. And then we do something, we manage it. We serve him and we protect it. So this is kind of long and I apologize, but I wanted to get this kind of laid out. So Adam's work, and so when you put yourself in there, put your name in there, was to serve God, or to serve God by protecting what God gave him. How does he protect it? He protects it by dedicating himself to obey God. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to do what God told me to do. He only had one thing to do, or not do as the case may be. So himself to obey God, and in doing so, God would provide and protect him, and then Eve, and of course his family. Initially, it was really easy to do because everything was perfect. And so the fruit was there. He picked the food. He'd, the fruit, he'd eat the fruit. No meat at this time. Sorry, guys. But God did give us meat later on. So that's all good. We can go for steak. Anyways, so initially, vegetarians. And so they would, we would, they would eat fruit. But it wouldn't rot because sin hadn't happened. When sin happened and death came and weeds came and rottenness came, then work got a little harder or a lot harder, as the case may be. Week two, <clears throat> Michael was talking out of Colossians 3, that we work hard because Jesus is our boss. That's what those verses are talking about. So we, are, we obey our bosses because Jesus is our Lord. He, he's not just our Savior. We say that a lot, but he's not just the one who saved us. Once he saves us, now he's our Lord. He's our master. He's our boss. He tells us what to do and how to live our lives. So we work hard because we know Jesus will ultimately reward us. He may reward us if we're a good hard worker. We may get a promotion. That's God allowing that. He may give us you know, an increase in our wages. That's God blessing us. But even if that doesn't happen, we know from what Scripture teaches that eventually He's going to reward us over and above what we get in heaven. There's going to be some other rewards that the Bible talks about. <clears throat> Which, not to step on my own notes, but we'll see at the end of this that the rewards really are the people that God impacts through us. You know, we don't walk around with a wheelbarrow full of extra jewels, you know, in heaven. <clears throat> but we'll talk about it. So we work hard because we serve Jesus with our lives, which goes back to Genesis 2, obedience equals worship being put in the life that we have. So today, <clears throat> so we've kind of, We've kind of funneled this down, right? We talked about just life in general and life as work and in Genesis, and then we funnel it down um, to this, like at our jobs. <clears throat> and now we're going to funnel it down even further. What are we doing at our jobs? Why are we there? So today we're going to talk about the fact that we work to share the gospel. Do you ever wonder why it is you go to work every day as a Christian? That's your only reason for going to work is to represent Christ. Because if you do that, what does God promise to do? Meet your needs. Yeah, it blows our minds to think about, but that's, 
that's the truth throughout Scripture, starting in Genesis. And Jesus even talks about it in Matthew 6. And Paul talks about it in Romans 8. So go ahead and turn your, in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> We're going to start there. We're going to uh, jump back a few verses too. But as you do that, let me just say this. That as you read through the Bible, especially in the New Testament, <clears throat> every time, like Paul and Peter and James, was gonna, every time they talk about our salvation, the fact that God has saved us, they always bring it back to us doing something with that salvation, showing people that salvation, drawing people to Christ through the changes that are going on in our lives. Again, you can read it for yourself, but just notice that if, as you're reading through the Bible, especially the letters in the New Testament, that's what happens that these authors, and Paul's going to do it again to us this morning. It's why we get up every morning, is to represent Christ, is to bring the gospel. So let me, uh, let me read 12 and 13 real quick. And then uh, I said it again real quick. Um, Anyways, so then, my beloved, and Paul's talking to these Philippian Christians. He's very close to these people. He just really loves these people. That's a great relationship. They're a really solid church that's doing life God's way and reaching people for Christ. So he says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, in other words, done life God's way, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So I read those verses, and I, I hope what you're asking is, okay, how do we know he's talking about this means that's what we need to be doing at our work? How do we know that? And if you're asking that question, that's great, because it means you're not just going to take my word for it, and you know how to study the Bible, right? You've got to find the context. You can't just read a couple verses and just say, okay, that's what it means. You've got to find what's the, what's the bigger context here. The bigger context excuse me, goes back to verse 27 in chapter 1. So with this verse, after Paul's come, or Paul's come up to this point, from this point forward through the rest of the, the letter that he writes, all of this plays out. It's, it's an application or how does this verse work out throughout the rest of the book? And so he's, it's very practical. He says this, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, I thought, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm always telling you guys, be in the Word, read the Bible, study the Bible. So what I'm trying to do also is kind of throw out to you guys, here's what I do, and if it helps you, that'd be great. <clears throat> but here's what I do. So I read that, and then I go, stop. What does that mean? Because doesn't that sound good? If you read it with an English accent, only conduct yourselves with a in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? Mmm. But what does it mean? What does it mean to... So, so Paul is sitting in prison. He's in jail. He's been arrested. Why? Because he's been preaching the gospel and causing a bunch of trouble in these towns. Riots are happening because he's sharing the gospel and people don't like it. And so they start riots. And so they're sick and tired of Paul sharing the gospel. And so they put him in jail. Now, Paul uses that, of course, and if you know the story, Paul is witnessing to some of his jailers, some of the, the soldiers, and the soldiers are taking him back to Caesar's household, and some of Caesar's household are coming to Christ. So Paul hasn't stopped his work, but what he says is, hey, listen, I, I'm not living life right now. I'm stuck in jail. So you conduct yourselves 
in a manner worthy of the gospel. Just because I'm not living life right now doesn't mean you guys stop. And again, the Philippian church, they were solid. They, they didn't stop. They were going well for that. But to conduct yourselves, it means basically to, to live life. So I put the Greek up there for you guys if you want to impress your friends and family. Um, but it means to be a citizen. We get our word political from it, politics. But it means to live or lead one's life, to be a citizen of. And we're citizens of heaven, you know, that type of thing. But it includes, it, it's all of our lives, all areas of our lives, which includes our work. In fact, our work is a large portion of our life. I've got some of the information up here. I'm going to read the other. So I just did some work on my own, and then I went to Google to correct myself. Um, so if you work 40 hours a week, now I get it, most of us work more than 40 hours a week, right? So, but let's just say, okay, 40 hours a week, you work 52 weeks a year, you're going to work 2,080 hours a year. Some of you guys are thinking, okay, time for a vacation. We'll just wait. If you work 50 years, so let's say you don't work 50 years, but you're going to work overtime, so let's just say 50 years. Man, stop bugging me. Just go with the 50 years, will you? Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. I was waiting for somebody over here to give me a hard time. It's 104,000 hours. 104,000 hours. I know some of you guys work like physically hard jobs. 104,000 hours. I think you just quit now. I mean, why? I, mean, I, I have mentally struggled, struggling days. And Dave's got it worse because his boss is terrible. But that's 400 or 4,333.3333333333 days. Okay, you're not impressed. That's almost 12 years. You're going to spend 12 years of your life on the job. Man, you talk about depressing. <clears throat> That's scary. So as, as Christians, we're to, to live lives. We're to work at our jobs in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now again, this is kind of a Christianese alert here. What does it mean? We're really good at throwing these words around. It means appropriate. Worthy means appropriately. Or something that lines up with what the gospel teaches. It's live your life like Jesus lived his. That's what, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel means that we don't work, walk through life the way we think we should walk through life. Doing what we think we should do in life. Responding the way we think we should respond in life. No, we go, okay God, how do you want me to respond? <clears throat> how do you want me to speak to people? What do you want me to do? That's walking in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And if we're not doing that, we're not walking worthy of the gospel of Christ, no matter how we might, how spiritual we might think we are. So he goes on. I want to rip through this, the rest of this, just because it's good stuff, before we jump back. He says, I will hear of you that you are standing firm, or whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So what he's saying there, that standing firm means to be firmly committed in conviction, firmly committed in belief. A lot of us are firmly committed that our job is what provides for me. My boss controls my life. And so we're firmly committed, and our lives show that. Because we're not working 40 hours a week. We're working when we're home. We're, you know, we're working when, we're just doing a bunch of, because our, because we see our 
boss as our boss, as the one controlling our destiny. And so, but as Christians, we're supposed to be firmly committed in, in this belief, this conviction of who we are in Christ, and the fact that Christ is our boss. And then he says, striving together. It has this idea of courageously working together. So this is for all of us as Christians, and we should be helping each other with this. But if you're sitting here this morning as a Christian, you're like, well, yeah, I get that, Harold. You're a pastor, so you need to do that. Yes, but you're a Christian, just like I am. And so you do what I do, but you do in your job. I used to do a normal job. (laughs) You know, I've done that before. I've worked hard hours, physically hard hours. I was talking to somebody after the last service. We were talking about jobs and He's in wants to transition jobs, and so I told him a horror story that I was in, you know, stuff like that. My body is just completely toast from carpentry and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, so we're to be doing that for the faith of the gospel. And then he says, in no way alarmed or afraid of. No, no reason to be scared of those who are your opponents. Listen, when we start doing life God's way, and as we start talking more about chapter two, people are gonna look at us going, Man, that's weird. That's just different. I mean, why are you doing that? Why are you treating your boss that way? Why are you being so nice to everybody around you? They're going to push back on you. He says that's, that's a sign of destruction. It's, it's a really you know, difficult word, but it really means kind of judgment or in a sense that they're going to be convicted. They're going to see that, hey, my life isn't, I'm, I am causing some issues at work, but you're not. And now you not is causing me to feel like maybe I shouldn't, but I don't want it. You know, so they're going to have some issues. They're going to push back. You see this all the time. When I was leading a crew back in Colorado, they couldn't understand why I was always willing to do whatever my bosses told us to do. Get us out of this, Harold. You know how to talk to these people. You're a pastor. You know how to talk. Get us out of this. No, this is what they want us to do. This was, and I'm telling you, I had guys cussing me out and calling me all sorts of names, and one of them didn't last because of it, but that's besides the point. Um... I mean, he's alive. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> no, I fired him. I, I didn't kill him. You people are sick. Anyways, anyways. So, but it's also a sign of salvation. It shows that we are truly following Christ. Because if we're not, if we're doing life God's way, there's gonna be pushback. We're not gonna be put in jail yet, um, but something is gonna happen. And he goes on, he says, granted, and that word granted means is charis. In the Greek, charis means grace. Grace is how we receive salvation, God's grace. And so look how he connects it. He just uses a different word, but same word. So he's been granted, it's been, we've been graced with or in the kindness for Christ's sake, not ours. Not only were we granted to believe, I've added the word in to kind of connect it for us, to believe in him. So we're excited. We love grace when we know that we get salvation. Man, God saved me. That's awesome. I'm so excited about his grace. I love it. When I die, I get to go to heaven. That's awesome. I cannot wait to die. I get to go to heaven. But look what he says after that. But also, no, go back. Thank you. But also granted to suffer for his sake. The same grace that gives us salvation is the same grace that God says, hey, I'm going to allow you to suffer. What? (laughs) Yeah, we get to suffer for Christ's sake. We get to identify 
with Christ. We get to know what Christ must have experienced when he went to cross for us. We get to know him that intimately. You have to read the rest of Philippians to understand more about that. I'm going to leave that for you. But So we need to move on. Time's a-wasting. So Paul takes a tangent in chapter 2, 1 through 11. It's a great passage. We should, probably should cover it this morning, but we're not going to because it's more of a tangent. So starts 1, 27 through 30, and then he picks up his discussion in chapter 2, verse 12, which we read. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. So the absence is what takes us back to chapter 27, or chapter 1, verse 27. He says this, so here's the command, work out your salvation, or conduct yourselves, with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word work out, or we, it's a phrase for us, but it's a word in the Greek. Work out means to produce the effects of something. In this case, produce the effects of salvation. God saves you through faith in Christ, and because of that, there should be a change in how you live. It's one of our four Ds, demonstrate change. It should be a change. You should think differently. You should respond differently. And we do that with fear and trembling. It means to be frightened and shaking. Now, here's the cool thing. As Christians, we don't need to be afraid of God, and we don't need to be shaking, because Christ took God's wrath for us. But that doesn't change the reverential respect and awe we have for God and for what he's done for us through Christ. We still look at that and say, man, I am so unworthy of that. I am such a sinner. There's no reason in the world why why God should show me that grace. And there's no reason for him to do it other than his love for us. We haven't done anything for it. We're not special. He didn't save me because he's like, oh boy, Harold's really, really talented. And so I want to make sure he's on my team. You know, it wasn't like standing in the, in the schoolyard, right? And, you know, we were all the last kid picked, if you want to put it that way. Paul says he picked us who are saved because of the foolishness in picking us. What does that say? It says it's for his sake, not our sake. It's to show how great he is. And so we, we should have this reverential awe and respect for him. So he goes, he goes on to say, for it is God. So here's another reason why we should have this attitude of fear and trembling. For it is God. It's God. The almighty God is at work in you. Boy, if that doesn't wake you up in the morning and go, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for the day. You know? So the almighty God is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Your will your work for his good pleasure. My will, my work for his good pleasure. The word work there is energize. We get our word energize from that. It means to bring something about or to produce an effect. So there's that, that phrase again about producing an effect. But it's God who's producing the effect. It's not us working really hard and I'm going to do this. It's God who works it. And he works it to will and work for his good pleasure. My will, your will. My work, your work. God is doing. So here's how it works. God works in me and in you as a Christian. He works in us to change our will, to to change our heart, to change how we think, to, to change our attitude, to change our motivation. 
He does that. He does it through the Holy Spirit. He does that. Then as he's doing that, then we also hear, oh, I need to, now I want to do what God wants me to do. So now I'm going to do, I'm going to take a step of faith. Sometimes scary. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. God, you're really telling me to do this. Everyone thinks I'm crazy for doing this. But you take that step of faith. But now it's his Holy Spirit empowers us, gives us the ability, energizes our work, our actions, what it is he's called us to do. So it's God who does the energizing. Not the energizer bunny, but it's God who does the energizing. And he's doing this work, working out this process, changing who we are from what we were to who he wants us to be, which is more like Christ. But it's not for my good pleasure. It's not for your good pleasure. It's not for our desires. It's not, it's not for him to do something. Hey, I got this big plan for my life. And so uh, now I'm a Christian. I still got that big plan for my life. And hey, God, can you give me whatever I need to get this big plan for my life? And he's like, no, that, that's not your plan anymore. Probably not. Sometimes it is. But most of the time, God's like, no, 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 no. No, this is your plan. No, my plan for you. This is what we're going to be doing. And I'm going to meet everything you need to make that happen. It's for his pleasure, for his desires, for his plan, accomplishing his purpose in us, through us. Some people say, well, I'm going to come to Christ. I'm going to have all my problems fixed. He's going to fix me as a person. I'm going to be perfect and not have any more problems in my life. And I'm just going to run through life and eventually I'll die and go to heaven. Praise the Lord. I've talked to people who God has... You know, worked in their lives and, and their lives have been fixed. There's been things happening in their lives. And... But nowhere in the Bible does it say that God's going to fix all your problems. Because sometimes our problems are what he's going to use to keep us close to him. Or he's going to use it to impact somebody else in our life so they turn to us and say, hey, I see you're struggling with this. Yeah, I'm working through this and this is how I'm doing it. Well, how are you doing it? I'm doing it this way. And, and, and wow, can you help me? Yeah, I can help you. But first of all, you need to put your faith in Christ. And, and now another person has come to Christ because of the fact that I'm not fixed. And again, I'm not saying that there isn't change and things can't happen. But what I'm saying is Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And we don't know what that was. And, you know, so we have to understand, okay, I, I come to Christ, but I'm coming to Christ. I get salvation out of it. Awesome. But here I'm er, on earth. I'm, I'm here to, to do whatever God wants me to do. And if he doesn't see fit to fix something in my life or do, you know, something to accomplish some dream that I have, it's better to do it his way and to have him working in our lives. Paul put it this way in Galatians. This is a little longer version of Philippians 1.21, where he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, if I've been crucified with Christ, I've died to myself. Paul wanted to be a great Pharisee. When he came to Christ, he didn't go, okay, God, help me become a great Pharisee. God's like, no, I don't want you to become a great Pharisee. I want you to become great for me in bringing people to Christ. And so what happened to him? Everything but a Pharisee happened to him, including being in jail and eventually being killed for his faith. But it brought glory to God. And we'll see what else it did here at the end of this chapter. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I take steps of faith every day. I don't really know if this is, poor God, do you want me to do this? Okay, I'm doing it. Oh yeah, that's what you want me to do. You know, steps of faith. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. So then, after um, 
after this, he gives us another command. Now, I want, to, I want us to grab the, the, the tension here because he's, he's just got done saying, work out your salvation, right? And so, yeah, go to the next one. Then he gives this command. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He wants us to let him work in us, to will and to work according to his good pleasure. And then God has Paul tell us this, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So the big context is, Christians, when we're reading God's word, and he's showing us where our lives are not lining up with what his word says, we don't grumble about that. Grumble means to murmur under your breath. Do that. Can't believe it. Smitter, spitter, smitter. God wants me to do this, but I don't. I don't understand why I have to do this. He wants me to act this way. I don't have to act. It's that. It's not say, okay, this is what he wants me to do. I get it. God, change my will, energize my will to to energize my works. Or debating. That's what the other word disputing means to debate. You ever debated with God? Yeah. Yeah. God, really? I mean. I know I have. <laughs> we're not to be doing that. But then it brings it down because we're talking about work. What is the one thing that we're really good at? Grumbling about work, aren't we? Oh, my word. I mean, not Dave and me because we're in ministry and we have nothing to grumble about. Um, no, we, we're really good at grumbling. I, okay, I'm just going to give you guys. I'm going a little long here, but. So, Friday, I, I'm going to make this fast. Friday, we had to get a car to, into Toledo to a shop because only a shop could look at it because they'd worked on it, so they needed to work on it. So, Kim and I drove the car in my truck. It takes me Route 2 to 51, which is not the way you want to go at 8.30 in the morning, but my phone told me to, so I did it. By the time I got there and back here, I was so angry this is what I'm studying for, okay? But I'm so angry on Friday. Kim's like, I'm dropping you off at church and I'm getting home. I'm done with you today. You, you, know, you deal with God and what he's telling you to do. <clears throat> so, and again, uh, so then Saturday happens and I got my micro group with my guys and so I met with them and then I was going to take some time. So I ran home because I figured I'm not going to stay here just in case somebody shows up. I'm going to go hide at my house. I'm going to work on my message. I get a phone call that we're ha- our mower's down. Or I get a text, our mower's down. So now I'm like, huh, grass needs to be cut. You know, didn't need to be. But anyways, anyway, our guys took care of it. You know, appreciate Jay was out here and Mike was out here. And uh, Stan had the mower brought over because he was busy running around. He didn't want to do any work. No, I'm just kidding. You, he was busy, but they went over his house. They stole his mower, brought it over here. Anyways, long story short. My day was not going the way I wanted to. And I was grumbling and complaining because it wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. But we're really good at grumbling and complaining, disputing about with our bosses, with our coworkers, with a job, with, man, God's provided that job for us. Thank God for that job. I know some of them are not fun. I've done them. I have hugged toilets. As a 40-year-old man, I'm cleaning toilets. I get it. It's not fun. But there's a purpose behind it. 
And so when we allow God to do that and work in us while we don't grumble and complain, it proves, he says, or in other words, works out our salvation, that we're blameless, that we're innocent, that we're above reproach, we're children of God. We live out what's true in our lives. We show other people who God is through how we live. He says it shines a light in the darkness. Is that up there? I think you need to go to the next one. No, go back. I, I just messed Greg up. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I didn't read another verse. Go to 19. Next one. There you go. Thank you. Um, so, holding fast. So, we're lights in the world, holding fast. And that word would probably be better, holding forth. So, we're lights in the world. When we do life God's way, when we work at our jobs in order to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to our jobs, we're going to be walking around and it's going to look like there's a spotlight on us because we're the ones doing the right job. We're the ones doing it with the right attitude. We're the ones doing it where people are, yeah, you're just sucking up to the boss, you know. You know, that, come on. Probably shouldn't, have, probably shouldn't have done that. My construction days are coming up. Um, you know, so people are, you know, this person is just, you know, just trying to get in good with the boss. Well, my boss, Jesus, yeah. And so we hold forth the word of life, the gospel. We show people this is who we are. We're not ashamed of it. And we're doing it. Why? Because we want them to know this incredible gift that we've been given of salvation. And to join with us as they, you know, as we suffer, they suffer, we work together to see people come to Christ. And then Paul goes on. Go back one slide for me so I can read this part. Thanks. It says, but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. What's the joy? So go to the next one for me, Greg. <clears throat> he said, I have reason to glory. That word could mean boast, it could mean be prideful, but it's a good boasting, it's a good prideful. It's not saying, how, look how great I am. It's look how great Christ is or God is for how he's used me. When Paul, Paul knew that when he died, he was going to stand before Christ. And what he wanted, and what Christ wanted for him, was that when Christ looked at Paul, he saw all the people that he empowered Paul to impact. That's the reward. When we do life God's way, when we work God's way, when we want to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to where we work, the ultimate reward that Jesus is going to give us, we talked about in Colossians, is the fact that there's going to be people that God has used us to impact for Christ. And they're going to have come to Christ, and we're going to have a part in that. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what God has done in us and through us. And so that's our reward. That's what we're shooting for. That's what we're hoping for. That's all that God cares about. When you stand before Christ, and when I stand before Christ, he's not going to go, yeah, how many cars did you have? Oh, nice, yeah. Or, how, many, how many houses did you have? Or how big was your house? Or how nice was your house? Oh, yeah, awesome, that's great. So how often did you get out fishing? You know, how, so like that leisure activity that you did, you know, how often did you get to do that? He's not going to ask any of that. Now, I've talked about the 9 o'clock service. If you've got a boat, you want to go out fishing, and you want to take some non-Christians with you, and you're out in a boat and they can't go anywhere, 
you want to share Christ with them, you know, get a boat, get a bigger boat, get a bunch of people, you know, whatever you want to do. I mean, if you use the stuff that God's given you for his, for the gospel, then do it. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of times we're just doing that for ourselves. And God doesn't care about all that. What he cares about is, are you allowing him and allowing him in my life and your life to change our will and let him energize our will so that he energizes our work so we can impact people for Christ? That's what he cares about. That's, what's, that's the only thing that's going to matter for eternity is the people that are going to be spending eternity with us in heaven. So takeaways. What are the things we can pull from this? Uh, the band can go ahead and come on up, if you would please. And uh, let me just run through this. First of all, are you conducting yourself? So as we sing this song, you know, be thinking about this, praying about this, have a conversation with God. Are you conducting yourself, living life worthy of the gospel of Christ? Are you firmly committed and are you courageously, courageously uh, doing, striving for, seeing people come to Christ through your workplace? Is that, are you doing it? Is that what God's doing in your life? Secondly, are you working out your salvation by allowing God to energize your will and your work? So first of all, how's your time with God? Because the only way our wills change, the only way we become more like Christ and desire to become more like Christ is the time we spend in his word. It's through his word that he renews our minds. It's, it's through his word that he changes how we think. And that needs to change first before we're ever motivated. If you're like sitting there, yeah, I'd like to do life God's way. Great. Keep that thought. Now, do the first thing, and that is spend time in God's word so that God can then work in your heart and in your mind and your attitude in order to then want him to work in and through you. And what's your... You know, how's your attitude at work? Are you griping and complaining every day? You know, that needs to change. And it can only change when God works in your will and works in your heart. And then last, when you stand before God, stand before Christ, who's going to be standing behind you, around you, that he has impacted because of your life and what you've done? That should be your focus. That's, that should be what you care about. That's what brings joy to your job. Us worshiping God with our lives through impacting people for Jesus Christ and seeing people come to Christ. Those that we work with. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to, to get into your word and to, to wrestle with it. And this is hard stuff. This is not easy. This is, this is really taking a lot of us, including myself, to another level in that sense, another step in our spiritual growth to, to really be convicted when we're grumbling and complaining and to not really thinking about the other people that we're impacting. But Lord, help us to do that. Give us that courage, as you, your word says, to, to work in us, to energize us, to want to do that. Lord, we're excited about what you're doing in our church. We're excited about what you want to do in our church and what you will do through our church family if we follow your commands. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the honor of being a part of that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll close with a song.